In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I don't know if it's just the pastor in me or what it is exactly, but there's always been something about John the Baptist that I have looked up to. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, I'm, I'm sure if he was here today, we would recognize that him and I are very different people, but there's something about him that I admire. And for a long time, I haven't quite been able to put my, my finger on it, uh, except to say that there was something that John has that I want. And it wasn't his funny-looking clothes, the camel's hair and the, the leather belt. It wasn't the weird food that he ate, the locusts and wild honey and all that. No, there was some inner quality, inner characteristic that John the Baptist had that, that I would like to embody for myself. And after some reflection this week and reading our gospel lesson, that third reading we heard about him, I, I think I've pinned it down a little bit more. I think what I admire about John the Baptist is that he doesn't seem to do anything halfway. No, he just dives right in. Uh, John, in many ways, when it comes to his faith, has taken the plunge. And I admire that. And, and maybe the reason why I admire it, and maybe you can resonate with this too, is, is because so often in my life, my reaction, uh, even my obedience, is much more tepid than John's. Uh, where, where John just takes the plunge and dives right in. Uh, also often, I like to kind of stick my toe in the water and, and test things out, see how it feels, maybe wade in slowly. Uh, sometimes I feel like I've, I've waded in pretty far, maybe up to my waist, maybe up to my neck. I've, I've gotten in pretty deep, but, but even then sometimes it, it feels like there's some worry, some doubt, some thing that I'm trying to control or hold on to. My problem, and I think this can be said of all of us here today, our problem isn't that we are faithless, unbelieving heathens, right? We, we do believe and, and we want to obey. Uh, we, we love the Lord and we care about our, our neighbors. That, that's not the issue at all. I mean, we've given up a Sunday morning to come here because we know that God has gifts that we desperately need and, and we want to offer him our worship and praise. Uh, that's not our problem. Uh, our problem all too often is that we haven't taken the plunge. We haven't dived in. We've, we've been much more tepid. Uh, there, there are things in our lives we would like to control. I mean, we want to listen to God's word on the one hand. We, we value that word. We love his word, but we also kind of like getting the last word. Uh, we want to learn and, and grow and study in the Lord, but but we also like control. And, and there are things in each of our lives that I think many of us are, are holding back, holding on to. Uh, for some of us, maybe, maybe it's our words. We want to obey God. We love the Lord. But when we tell the off-color joke at work and, and we get the big round of applause and everybody laughs, we, we feel kind of good about ourselves. Or we tell ourselves that this is going to be the week that we're going to stop gossiping at, at church or, or in the office. And, and yet it's so easy to fall back into those habits. Or, or maybe for others of us, it's our money. We, we know our money is a gift from God and we do give to charity and, and to church, but we're holding part of it back. Maybe we don't give as much as, as we could or, or we only give until we've met our needs, our wants. Our problem isn't that we don't believe or that we don't love the Lord. It's just that we haven't taken the plunge. We're not quite all in. And, and so when I see John the Baptist and, and when I look at his life, uh, I, I admire him. Again, maybe this is the, the pastor in me, but when he preaches these sermons, I mean, talk about fire and brimstone, right? He was talking today about unquenchable fires and burning up the chaff and clearing, clearing the threshing floor. I mean, as hard as these herm, uh, sermons must have been to hear, 
They, they couldn't have been easy to give either. <laughs> no preacher likes to give those sermons. We'd much rather talk about love and grace and forgiveness, but he did it. He put himself out there. He, he followed God's call, even to the point of death. And we read about that today. Here's John, and he calls out one of the most powerful people in the world of his day, King Herod. And he takes him to task, and he says, what you're doing with your brother's wife, Herodias, it is wrong, it is bad, it is sinful. And he, he says this, he puts himself out there knowing that it might lead to jail or even death. And, and of course, we know how it turns out. Both of those things happen. And so, and so I wonder sometimes, how does John do it? You know, how is John able to do what I would love to be able to do, but haven't quite gotten there yet? How is he able to take the plunge? How is he all in? How does he remain so confident, so bold, so strong, so firm, where so often we come up short, where we are weak, where we fail? How is John able to do it? Now, I can't say for certain because I've never asked him. I uh, haven't had that opportunity yet. I can't read his mind. But I, after some reflection, what I, I think we can say about John, what I think we can be pretty certain of is, is, is what, or maybe rather who, John's faith was in. We know that John had faith. He had faith in a God who had taken the plunge for him. John believed in a God who went all in for him. John believed in a God who held nothing back, who gave everything for John, a God who really had taken the plunge. And, and we see that God and that love and, and all of those characteristics, I, I believe, so clearly in the baptism of Jesus. Which I don't know when you were reading the story of Jesus' baptism today as you were hearing it, if, if it confused you at all. Uh, it's confused me for a very long time. I've been really confounded by the, the baptism of Jesus because it's, it's kind of a strange story. And, and the one word that kept on coming to mind for me for many years when I would read the story of Jesus' baptism was unnecessary. Uh, what, what Jesus did there, jumping into the Jordan, it felt so unnecessary. Like, like Bill Gates spending an afternoon clipping coupons, right? Why would he need to do that? That is so unnecessary. Or when your really skinny friend tells you they're going to go on a diet, they're going to start eating less. You're like, what? You're the last person that needs to be doing that. That feels so unnecessary. I mean, think about what we know about baptism, right? It is a gift of grace and forgiveness from God for broken people. It is an act of the Almighty for sinners. It is God filling up with his Holy Spirit those who are spiritually empty. And, and Jesus needs none of that, right? He doesn't need grace or forgiveness. For what? He's not broken. He has not sinned. He never sinned. Not ever. Not, not once. <laughs> what Jesus did there in the Jordan, it feels so unnecessary. As I thought about it uh, much more recently, uh, I, I've come to realize that it was. My, my feeling was right. I was on to something. It was unnecessary, at least for him. Uh, Jesus didn't need to be baptized for his own sake. No, he took that plunge. He, he got into that water, not for himself, but for us. Because we needed him to. Because we needed a savior who was all in. We needed a, a God who would, who would become like us in every way. Who would, who would withhold no part of his life. Who would even go through something that he didn't need to do. We needed a God who would, who would drown himself in our sin. Who would get wet with it. So that three years later he could carry it to a cross where it would be crucified and, and killed and, and put to death. We needed, we needed Jesus' baptism. 
Jesus' baptism in many ways was just the inauguration, the coronation, the beginning of a ministry that would last until the end of Jesus' life for and to and among sinners like you and me. And, and what Jesus did there, by jumping into those waters, by taking that plunge, he showed us that he is what we need him to be, the God who would do whatever it takes, becoming like us in every way, bearing our sin. That's what Jesus did for us, which is so different from our approach to him all too often. God doesn't do anything halfway. God didn't just dip his toe into the, to the waters of humanity, testing it out, seeing how it would feel, seeing if it was worth it for him to, to keep on going. Jesus didn't wade in, waist deep, to, to see if we would hold up our end of the bargain, right, like we do all too often. No, he just took the plunge into humanity and, and he bore our sin all because he loved us. Uh, one way you could think about it is to think of, of Jesus as your divine lifeguard. Uh, the divine lifeguard, the God of the universe who, who saw us, me and you, uh, flailing in the deep end of the pool in the midst of the muck of our sin. And Jesus saw us there and as our divine lifeguard, he didn't just sit back and cross his arms and, and kind of hope and, and pray for us that we would figure it out or, or save ourselves. And, and he didn't just throw us a life vest and, and, and give us a little bit of help and, and hope that we made it to shore. He also didn't just yell commands at us from the sideline, giving us directions, trying to teach us how to swim so that we could do it on our own. No, no Jesus, our divine lifeguard, jumped into the, the sinful waters of our world and he, he wrapped around us, even though we're flailing and kicking at him and pushing him away, and he, he wrapped his arm around us and he brought us to shore and he rescued us. God took the plunge for us. Now, like I said, I, I, I was confused about this story for a long time. I, I hope and I pray that I understand it a little bit better today than I did before and uh, I, I suppose I'm speaking about it today because I hope that you all would understand it maybe a little bit better today than you did before. Uh, but even when I was awfully confused about it, there was one part of the story that I really latched onto. One one little phrase in there that I really loved, and, and maybe you do too. It, it, it comes at the end of the story when Jesus has emerged from the water and Luke tells us that he, he begins to pray over what has happened. And, and then at that point, if you remember, the, the heavens open up, they, they, they're torn open, and a voice comes down. It's the voice of God the Father who says this most beautiful promise about his son. He says, you are my beloved son. I love you. In you, I am well pleased. Uh, that phrase always stuck out to me. I thought, what a beautiful moment between father and son. And yet there was a, a part of me that wished that what, Jesus, or what the father said to Jesus would also be said of me. And maybe you've wanted that too, those words of the father to be for you. Wouldn't that be nice if, if we could be God's beloved daughters and sons, if he could somehow be well pleased with us? Well, I, I believe that he is brothers and sisters. Because Jesus went all in for us, we today, you and me, you are, are God's beloved daughter. You are his beloved son. He is well pleased in you. I hope you believe that about who God says you are, that you are his beloved child. I hope you trust in that promise that he is well pleased with you. Because after all, that's why Jesus took the plunge. That's why he dove into our lives. That's why he did everything that he did, holding nothing back from us, so that what was said of him could also be said of you and me. And it's true, you are his beloved child. And he is pleased with you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.